pretty good timing, wasn't it? Got set up. Good morning. It's nice to be among friends. Um, part of my job is to do presentations and training, and so I'm okay standing up here. But I would really appreciate your prayers because what I'm trying to do today is not train you. I'm not trying to present um, as much as I would like to share. And that was kind of on my heart this morning um, as I was thinking about this. I want to share some experiences. I'm going to try to share honestly. I can't share everything that I was thinking about when I was on my pilgrimage. But I want to share something that hopefully um, was something that came into my heart as I did the walk, um, but also something that's relevant um, to you um, that are gathered. Um, So let me pray before I start. God, would you speak through me this morning? God, would you give me the right words? And Lord, help me to share things that will be of benefit, things that will build up my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. So for those who aren't familiar uh, with the Camino walk, I shall explain a little bit uh, about what the experience was like. Um, I'll go into a little bit of details, um, but then I'll share some reflections um, at the end. So the first question, um, I guess for you, a bit of a poll. Who's heard of the Camino de Santiago? Who's kind of familiar with it? Okay, I reckon about 50-50. So I'll do a little bit of explanation, maybe some recap um, for those who have heard about it. Um, But this was the walk that I did. So I started uh, in a place called um, Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, in my best uh, French accent, um, which is on the um, French-Spanish border. Down? Yeah, better. Thank you. Um, And then I walked to Santiago de Compostela. Uh, And in the intro slide, there was a little bit of a hint as to how long that was, 500 miles or 800 kilometers approximately, and I walked it this year between the 5th of May and the 6th of June with one blister, which is pretty good. I think a combination of prayer and talcum powder. If you want some walking tips at the end, very happy to give them. Um, So you can see on the map, it starts pretty much on that um, French-Spanish border, ends up pretty near the coast. Um, There is a bit that you can do afterwards, um, which is to go to Finisterre. I didn't get to do that bit. Um, That's the bit that I would like to do next time I do it, um, which I'm already planning. So obviously it was quite a good experience. So the question is, I suppose some of you may be asking, is why on earth would anyone sat out... This night friend's wobbling. Just give me a second. There you go. Why on earth would anyone set out to walk 500 miles from from France to Spain? I need to readjust this. So it's kind of wobbling around. Excellent. Otherwise it's going to be a distraction. That's better. Is that better? Good. Um, So why would I do that? Why would anyone do that? Um, Maybe a question you're asking yourself as you're listening to me just now. So why? I mean, for me, this was part of a three-month-long break. Um, I'd been working um, for quite a long time, uh, ever since I graduated from university, pretty much. Um, I moved up to Edinburgh in 2006. Um, been at my current place of employment since then. And there was lots going on in my life um, over the few years before I decided to take a break. Um, again, part of the sharing part. I was struggling a little at work. 
there were a combination of a number of stressful situations that seemed to have built up over time. My father had passed away in um, 2016, which is a painful experience for those who have been through that loss. You know that that affects you, and it sits with you. Um, just to deviate, I guess grief is something that becomes part of you. You live with it. You don't overcome it. It becomes part of who you are. But that was just a combination of different things that were occurring for me. Um, and as an honest step, I had to put my hand up um, and say, I need a break. Thank you. Um, I need a break um, from work. I need some time out. And I knew that I needed to do it for my own self. And that was a, that was a difficult step in some ways, to put your hand up uh, and to say that you need some time out. And I knew that I needed some time away to think. I knew I needed some time away to process. And I knew that I needed some time off just to do some regurgitating, to resetting maybe of my mind. So that was part of my thinking behind my sabbatical. And really then I started to come across the Camino in different ways. I encountered someone who'd done it. Um, there was a BBC television series, I don't know if anyone watched it, with some celebrities walking the Camino. Um, again, that came up. I watched an Amazon film. Um, there was all sorts of different ways that the Camino came up. Uh, something that I felt that was something for me. So in January, I think it was, Heather can keep me right, having discussed it and had that conversation about what it would look like for our family to be away for five weeks. Yeah. Um, and just as a side note, really thank you so much to those who supported Heather and the family as I was away um, for that long period. Um, we agreed it, we prayed about it, and it, we booked, or I booked um, the flights in January, and that was me committed. I booked the flights out, and I booked the flight back, um, and I booked the accommodation. And that was me set on the path. But really, I wanted to put right at the start of my three months away an opportunity to be away and time to think and process. I also wanted the challenge. You know, there was something for me about setting out to do something I'd never done before. Um, the idea, I think, probably if you think about it too long for these things, you probably end up not doing it because it seems a bit ridiculous that you'll set off and walk and then walk the next day and the next day and the next day. And I had a fixed time period by which I had to get back home. I'd already booked my flights. I had 33 days to do the walk. And as I started to encounter people who were doing the walk, um, I got questions like, are you not taking any rest days? I was like, well, I haven't really got time. Are you? <laughs> Is that a thing? I came across a 33-day schedule, and I just assumed that's what people did. Um, but some people take a lot longer um, than I was. So it was a challenge for me, a, a physical challenge, sometimes a mental challenge to get up in the morning and, and walk. But there was something of a challenge there. And then also, of course, something of having an experience. I'd never done it. I'd never been to that part of Spain. I'd never walked on my own for that long. You know, really, these are all the things that were getting me excited, if not nervous, about going. It's a time to think, a challenge, and an experience. Um, but most of all, the Camino itself is it, a spiritual walk. It's not just a, a physical challenge. Um, walking on average 25 kilometers per day, getting up maybe at 6.30, walking till about two in the afternoon. You know, that's the physical side of it. But actually, historically, and of course, for those of you who know anything about the Camino, you'll know that it's historically a pilgrimage. It's a Catholic pilgrimage originally. Um, the word pilgrim 
uh, translates into peregrino. So I was a peregrino, and you can see me next to what might have been uh, an older peregrino um, back maybe when people started walking this in the 11th, 12th century. Um, you're walking to Santiago, um, which um, is a, a city but has a cathedral. Um, and the cathedral itself um, is supposed to be the final resting place uh, of the Apostle James. Um, James, who was the brother of John, uh, one of Jesus' closest disciples, um, in fact, is one of three disciples that was at the Transfiguration. And this um, place, Santiago de Compostela, is supposed to be the final resting place of his body. Um, just a little history of James, he was martyred, the first disciple, I think, to be martyred, apostle to be martyred, is that right, Glenn? In 44 AD in Jerusalem, uh, and there's some ancient legends then about what happened to his body. Now, whether that be true or not, um, it's kind of irrelevant, but it's been an historic pilgrimage, and it was really interesting to walk the walk that people have been walking since, we think, um, the 9th century. So it's a pretty ancient route. Um, you'll notice in some of the slides um, the picture of the scallop shell. Now, I have mine here, uh, this scallop shell I got in Saint-Jean. Uh, you're welcome to come and have a look at it at the end. Um, it was carried on my backpack for that whole period, and I managed to get it safely home. So it's been kept safe ever since. No pressure, but you are welcome to have a look at it. I'll put it here. <laughs> the scallop shell, interestingly enough, there's uh, different... Um, thoughts as to why the scallop shell is the symbol of the pilgrimage. It's certainly associated with St. James. Um, the scallop shells are found on the shores of Galicia in Spain. Uh, and historically, pilgrims used to get the scallop shell at the end of their pilgrimage as a sign that they'd completed the pilgrimage. I guess really useful when most people can't read. You would wear this as a sign of having completed it. Uh, nowadays, people tend to carry them with them as a sign that they are a pilgrim. Actually, I suppose it's an interesting shape, the scallop shell. Someone once said that the scallop shell um, is a symbol of the pilgrimage because it opens out and it somehow represents openness, openness to people, to new experiences and to the walk itself. And there I am in different pilgrim poses. So the question is, how do you do the walk? I mean, some of them might be thinking about the practical side of this. Um, everyone works differently. Some people are very practical. And the minute they hear about someone walking for 33 days, they think, well, how would you do that? How would you find your way? Um, this is the most ancient manuscript that we know about, which is to do with the Camino. Um, this dates from the 12th century. Um, it's, co it's called, according to my notes, uh, the Codex Calixtinus if I'm pronouncing that at all correctly. And it's associated with the Pope of the same name. And it's actually the first guide um, that medieval pilgrims might have had with them to help them find their way. Um, I didn't need to rely on that. I had my own very well-worn guidebook, um, which, as you might be able to see from the text, says a wise pilgrim's guide to the Camino. And the route that I was taking is actually called the Camino Francis. Um, there was other ways I could help to find my way on the route. Um, you got very good at locating these yellow arrows um, on the route. Sometimes they were pretty obvious, uh, maybe on a pillar. Um, sometimes they're on rocks, sometimes on the side of buildings. Um, sometimes, as you can see um, in the top right, um, hidden away on a rock. But that was the way that you knew um, that you were on the right route. So following the yellow arrows became very important. So what does it look like? What are the kind of things that I might have wanted to share with you this morning, just to give you a sense of the things that I was seeing on the walk? 
So obviously it involved a lot of walking, not surprisingly. Um, so here I am near the start of the walk. I tried to take the section of that stone pillar and blow it up so you can see um, that's on the first stage and it tells me rather helpfully that I have 765 kilometres to go until I reach Santiago. Um, so that really, on the first stage, gave you a sense of how far you really needed to travel. Um, sometimes you were walking on the road, sometimes on gravel paths, lots of open sky. There's me crossing the border into Galicia on the final stages. Stamps. So for those who know anything about the Camino, you have to gather um, stamps. I've got um, my, what they call here, credential. And this proved that you were a pilgrim. And every day you had to gather at least uh, one stamp just to show that you'd stayed uh, in a pilgrim hostel. Again, you can have a look at these at the end if you want to see them more closely. Um, the cave one of my, my prized possessions. You can see this is the bag I kept it in um, to make sure it didn't get wet in the rain. But to prove I was a pilgrim, I had to get a stamp. And nearer the end of the walk, you have to get two a day um, so that you can get your certificate um, at the end. Accommodation. For some reason, I didn't actually take any pictures of accommodation. I, I took this from the web. Um, but this is a sense of the luxury that uh, I was staying in during the walk. Um, so it's hostels, um, mainly bunk beds. Um, this is just a sample of what one might look like. Um, you're very close to a lot of people. Um, so I have to confess, I didn't always stay in hostels, but I mainly did. But sometimes it got a bit much and I needed my own private space. So that was the kind of accommodation that I was, that I was in. And people, I mean, that for me was one of the biggest parts um, of the walk. Meeting people from all sorts of different countries. Um, countries I'd expected to meet, um, France, um, some people from Spain, Italy, um, Germany. But nations I didn't expect. A lot of people from Brazil, interestingly enough. Uh, and South Korea was another rep nation that was represented quite heavily uh, on the walk. And it was really helpful just to meet all sorts of different people. All of them were doing the walk for their own reasons, interestingly enough. Actually, I said, at the I said earlier that it was a spiritual walk, and it certainly was for me. That was a big part of the reason I did it. But people that I met were choosing to do it for all sorts of reasons. Um, if you can see that picture kind of in the middle at the top, um, that's two other people that I walked with quite a long time. Uh, one was Andrew, um, an Australian guy in his 50s, taking a break from his teaching job, a long service award. Uh, and Callie, uh, who just turned 30, an American girl. And she was doing it simply because she wanted to do a set of challenges having just turned 30. For her, the spiritual side really wasn't as important. Um, as for others. And there was a real mixture. It was right interesting for me. I really expected um, the balance to be more towards people doing it for spiritual reasons. And actually, it seemed to be fairly equal. But really interesting to me, all sorts of different people, all sorts of different ages and stages. I think the youngest person I met was 19, a German girl walking by herself, which I found amazing. I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it at 19. And the oldest person I met uh, was an American guy, um, who I think his name was Bart. Um, but let's assume it was Bart, because that sounds good, right? He was 74. So if you're sitting there thinking, hey, I could never walk the Camino, I'm, you know, that sounds like too much of a challenge for me. A 74-year-old was walking it, so you can do it too. And that was quite interesting, actually. I expected it to be more younger people, and there certainly was. But there was a large proportion of people in their 50s, 60s, 70s um, who were doing the walk um, itself. Really, really, one of the memories that will stick with me is the people that I met and the conversations that I had.
And I think that was one of the interesting things for me is that you walk the walk, you just end up in conversation. And you're not talking about the weather. You actually end up in conversation with people about some of the deeper things in your mind, in your heart, almost straight away. There's a sense of openness on the Camino, which is really incredible and really hard to find elsewhere. And I had some really deep conversations with people I really didn't know that well. But because we were on the same walk, we had the same intentions, there was that same openness. And I'll come back to that in some of the reflections, but openness was something that I want to keep with me. Um, openness to people, place, uh, and conversation. Um, you'll also notice as well the, the importance um, of the table. And again, I'll come back to that. We spent a lot of time walking, but also a good amount of time eating. For those who know me well, you won't be surprised to find that was also enjoyable. Um, in fact, there was a lovely phrase that I, I really liked when I saw it um, about eating and drinking. It said, no vino, no camino. Um, which I quite like. And there was lots of vino. Um, but, you know, it was good vino. And cheap vino, too. Um, I'll throw it in down here. Ah, oh, yes. I think one of the biggest things that it helped me remind me of was, you know, we're all children of God. You know, wherever we come from. Uh, I know in this church there's, there's plenty of folks from different countries, different backgrounds, uh, and on the Camino as well. You know, but there's a shared experience, a shared energy, and a shared oneness. Um, that we're all part of one humanity. I think that was really a, a really helpful reminder for me. I mentioned food. Something important to me. Can anyone see what that is that I'm eating there? Any guesses? Chips. Chips? Yeah, there, is, there are chips, but there's something else. Mussels? No. Close, though. It is seafood. Clams? No. One more? That's... Black eel. Black kale. It is not black kale. No, I had to. I had to forgo my vegetarianism <laughs> to, to more of a pescatarianism, or else I might not have uh, survived the walk. So that is squid cooked in squid ink, which is much more tasty than you might expect. The next one will be interesting. So new experiences, new food. Um, I've zoomed into the plate there. Anyone? Anyone know what that is? Anyone know what that is? A, a cherry bun. It was not a cherry bun. I can. It was something in the sea. Not an oyster. That is a sea urchin. And uh, again, you know you're in Spain when you're having sea urchin in a bar. You don't find that too much in the UK, right? It was actually delicious. Really good. Um, again, I mentioned the, the importance of the table. So sometimes you eat communally, um, which is a really nice experience. Uh, sometimes it's a whole meal. In fact, the picture on the left, or on your left, um, we all sat together having made and prepared the meal together in one of the um, hostels. Um, actually, the hostels are called albergues, just for those who have been on the walk. That's the, the name that you call them. And some of them, there was the idea that you would all sit around and have a communal meal. Not all of them, um, but that was one of my favourite memories, just making the meal and then eating the meal all together. Um, that paella on the uh, right wasn't all for me, uh, in case you're wondering. <laughs> that was also for a communal meal on another occasion. And that was some of my favourite memories, just the food that I had as I travelled. Now, of course, it's a spiritual walk, so no spiritual walk would be complete without visiting some of the amazing churches and the, the beauty of these churches that you see. Um, there's some really well-known cathedrals uh, in Burgos and Leon and Astorga. Smaller churches as well, big and small. But the beauty that you found on the inside of these churches was something um, spectacular. And this is just a little snapshot uh, of some of the altars and different shots from inside the churches. 
And just the craftsmanship and the beauty that you found there was something quite inspiring. Uh, the outside was also equally as uh, impressive. Uh, again, it's really hard to capture this, but just some samples of the kinds of things I was seeing. Beautiful Gothic spires and amazing uh, external architecture. Um, that church has just come up, actually, interestingly, is one of the oldest octagonal churches uh, in the world, uh, certainly in Europe, um, which is a really interesting church to see. And that was one of the smaller churches that I went into. Actually, I think I had some of my most profound experiences in some of the smaller churches. The big ones were very impressive and grand, and you just didn't know where to look with your eyes sometimes. You're trying to capture it, you're trying to remember it, but there's just beauty uh, an amazing architecture everywhere you look. But that particular church, um, the one that's just popping up, um, I remember going into it. It's a picture of me outside, of course, afterwards. And it was just on the roadside, pretty inconspicuous church. Um, but I walked in, and there was an opportunity to pray. Uh, and there was a lady there, an older lady, who spoke no English. I spoke, well, very little Spanish, enough to order um, some tapas and a beer, but that's about it. Um, but she wanted to give everybody that came into the church, if they wanted to, um, a prayer and a little medallion to help them on the way. And I'm actually still wearing the medallion. You won't be able to see it for those of you at the back, but this little one here is still something that's precious to me. Not because of you know, what it is, but from where it came. And I remember just this amazing sense as she prayed for me in Spanish. I didn't know the words, but there was a shared humanity it was a shared spiritual experience. And that sharing that she wanted to give to everyone that came was just such a blessing on that day. Um, yeah, it's hard to describe what it meant, but it meant so much at the time. And there was just such a beauty um, in her openness and the way that she prayed and the way that she wanted to share. Um, so, so that, and, and I say, I think rightly, that on reflection, it was in those smaller churches where I experienced probably the most profound spiritual experiences on the walk. And that was certainly one of them. And of course, all that adds up to achievement. You know, there was a goal in mind. I set out on this walk. I needed to get to Santiago. I had to get the flight on the 7th of June. I needed to finish on the 6th of June. And it was quite an amazing achievement at the end toward the final stage um, when I got to the outskirts of Santiago. I decided to push myself or what 40 kilometers on the the day before the last day, just so I had enough time to reflect and then walk the final one kilometre into the centre the next day. And that was me arriving onto the outskirts. Um, again, you can see that that sign's made up of all sorts of different flags, different nations represented. Um, it's become such a global uh, and well-known experience these days, the Santiago de Compostela. It was a very, very wet day as well when I arrived. And a very quiet and wet morning um, as I finally arrived outside the cathedral. Um, the cathedral at the moment is actually mainly, um, well, not closed up. You can go inside, but there's a lot of renovations going on uh, in time for a big year, the next holy year, which is 2021. Um, so I'd love to go back and see what it's like after all the restoration has taken place. So I couldn't enter uh, into the way that pilgrims normally enter, uh, but it was certainly an amazing achievement to stand in that square um, on a cold, wet morning and think that I'd finally um, done it. Uh, and the achievement um, is represented by something I dropped earlier on that tube. Is it behind me? Thank you. Um, again, you can have a look at this later. It's, I left it in the tube for now. But you get a little certificate at the end. 
quite a meaningful experience just to say that you've done it. You show your credentials, you show your stamps, and then you get your certificate. So I did it. One blister, 33 days walking. I've also marked myself permanently by the experience. After some discussions with my wife about this, I have a tattoo on my left leg, <laughs> which you're welcome to see at the end. I won't try and show you now. Um, and that records um, the time I walked, um, the shell, um, and it also has the word, word ulterior, which means go beyond uh, in ancient Latin just as an encouragement to me. It's something I want to carry with me and remember for the rest of my life. So, just a walk, interesting experience. There's more than that. So I wanted just to give some reflections then. What did I think I wanted to draw out this morning for us? Not just for me, but for us. There were certain things that I reflected on. Um, in fact, that last night in Santiago, just before I walked that final kilometre, I had my journal that I'd been writing uh, pretty much every day. And I wrote down, you won't be able to read this because it's in my scribbles, things to take from the Camino. Now, some of these things are deeply personal. They're not for sharing. Um, but some of these things are personal, but I think also might be helpful um, for us. So I'm just going to turn to my next set of notes. That's me at the Cruise de Ferra, and that's representing our community as I share these reflections. So like I said at the start, you know, for me, the experience was somewhat of a reset. I knew that I needed to reset certain areas of my life. I needed to take that time out, um, that block of time. Someone said to me as I walked the community, at a rest stop, they said, you know, it's interesting, you know, plants need space to grow, and so do we. And I, know, I, know, and I knew that I needed that space, space to grow, to process, and really to hit the reset button in some ways. That's a word that's kept coming back to me. Now, you might think that you haven't the opportunity to take that amount of time out, and, and certainly it's not something I would imagine being able to do very often. But I just wondered if for someone, a few people here, maybe the idea of a reset, is that something that's meaningful to you? I, I don't know. It just felt like something I should bring out. Do you need to think about how you can get some space? Are there ways that you can carve out space and time? It may not be 33 days walking the Camino. Thank you. Uh, it may not be 33 days walking the Camino, um, but it might be, of course. And of course, if you, are, if you are interested in the Camino and want to know more about it, please come and chat to me. I'm very happy to share. If you think, do you know what? I could get that time off. I could go do that. Love to share that. But it's unlikely to be for everybody, let's put it that way. But you may need to set the reset button. You may need to carve out some space and time to grow. You may need to reset certain things in your life, maybe. Maybe that's something for you, if you want to take that um, from the talk. I mentioned people. It was something that was so meaningful to me. Actually, the walk itself, rather than the destination, was probably the most important thing. And the people that I met and the conversations that I had, as I said earlier, something that will stay with me. The openness. The shared oneness. Intention in walking, in talking, in openness, but also the openness around the table. And I had a thought... 
You know that people around the table, when they come with that intention of being open, it's a natural sense in which openness occurs. It's not forced. It was very natural. In fact, it became so natural um, just to walk up to a table of someone you might know or might have met once and say, can I sit with you and have dinner with you? Just something that doesn't happen in normal life. You know, we're very guarded. We're very, sometimes very closed off, aren't we? Can be. There's something I want to keep for myself, the idea of openness, of welcome. I'm pretty sure it was last week we talked about welcome at the table, did we not? Yeah, similar thoughts. You know, we're welcome to the table as we take communion. We're welcome to God's table. But actually, in our lives, there's a simple way, maybe, of openingness. Openingness? Opening ourselves um, to being more open to people, to welcoming the stranger, to welcoming those in. Is that something that I can take forward? I hope to. And I wonder if it might be something for you too. Maybe there's a way that you can open up your life, open up your table. And I think the biggest sense for me of people was that we're all children of God. You know, as I mentioned earlier, there were people walking the community for all sorts of reasons. Spiritual, physical, a challenge, old, young, some from South America, some from America, some from Canada, Germany. It didn't matter. We all were walking for our own reasons, but we were all on the same walk. And ultimately, we were all children of God. Um, one of the older gentlemen I met, you know, we were sitting around a table fairly early on in the walk, and he said, you know, there's no one, we're all equal here. No one's above each other. It's quite a good thought. Don't forget, I'm somewhat forgetful. In fact, if you ask Heather, she'll tell you that I often forget where my keys are, or my phone is, or my wallet is. <laughs> Anyone else like that? Is it just me? No? One or two? Fortunately, Heather seems to know where they are, which is good, because I don't often. But that isn't about keys and wallets and phones and, and whatnot. Actually, for me, this don't forget was something about God saying, hey, hey, Nick, don't forget. Don't forget that you do a little bit better if you're outside more often. It wasn't a new thing. Sometimes when God speaks to us, he's not trying to tell us something we didn't know. He's actually trying to remind us of something we do know full well, but we've just kind of pushed to one side or we've forgotten. Anyone else feel that way sometimes? God kind of goes, hello, don't forget. So, what is it if this is for you, that God might be saying, hey, don't forget. Don't forget that experience you had. Don't forget that word that was spoken over you. Don't forget that calling that you haven't seen come to fruition yet. Don't forget that sense of what you're being called to. Don't forget that adventure. Don't forget dot, 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 whatever that is for you. And I've shared one thing already, you know, don't forget to be outside more often. Don't forget to be with me in nature. That was something for me that was important. It wasn't new, but I just needed to be reminded of that. And there were quite a few other things uh, that God reminded me personally of. But for all of us gathered here, what is it that God might be saying? Hey, don't forget. Don't forget that thing.
this is not a representation of the speed I walked. It was actually quite quick by the end. Um, no, this is something else. This is slowness, right? So I'm one of those people that looks to experiences. And I kind of want them to be more than they can be. I don't know if anyone else is like that. Does that make sense to anybody? You kind of you, you build up to an experience like the community. You think, this is going to really move me on. This is going to really change me. And actually, as I've thought about it, you know, it, it certainly did change me. It's certainly something that's reset. It's helped me remember things. It's helped me be more open, I think. But as Heather, again, might attest, change is slow. Change is slow. Not always, but very often. You know, if God's calling us to something new, maybe it's not about the experience itself. It's about what you do with it afterwards. I went on the communal with some questions. And I was really struggling at work. I think I mentioned that at the start. And for me, one of the questions was, what, what am I going to do with my job? Do I go back? Do I do something different completely? I had, I had open questions. And I was talking to someone who'd done the Camino before, and he said, the answers come afterwards. Which was pretty helpful for me, because I was getting a little worried that I hadn't actually been able to get any answers to those questions. I've come up with an answer, I think, but I'm still working on it. And do you know what? The Camino itself, for me, was an experience, yes. But it's also something I need to carry into life. I also need to recognise that change itself, at least for me, is slow. And it's continuous. Maybe that's helpful for you. Maybe you're not seeing the changes as fast as you'd like. Maybe you've had some experiences which have been really helpful, but then thought, what was the result of that? Change is happening, but sometimes it's imperceptible. And this last one, what's that? Fruit bowl, right? So, this was something that kind of came back to me during the walk. Um, a verse from the Bible, a pretty well-known verse, very well-known verse, I should say. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to say that all together. Um, I've tried to make this animation a little slow, but the reason to do this is not so that we learn it as a memory verse, but I just wondered, is there one of those fruits, maybe two, maybe more, that just resonates with you as you are today? Is there something that God's calling out of those list of fruits? Maybe why we're over challenge. Maybe it's something he wants to build into your life. It was just something that came to me. This verse came to me a, num a number of times. As I walked, I prayed it as I walked occasionally. But I just thought it might be helpful to share that list. So I'm going to click it on again, and if we could just, as, as loud or as quiet as you want, just if we could all together say the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Take a minute. Have a look at the list. What's God calling out to you? 
as you look at those fruits? What's he wanting to build more into your life? I know for me that there's quite a few on that list. When you stand in front of people and talk, it's always, well, it's hard for me to not feel, to feel a little inauthentic. I'm not standing in front of you as someone who is full of all of those fruits. There's areas that those who know me really well will know I would love to be more patient. I'd love to have more gentleness. I'd love to have more self-control and more joy and love. In fact, I need all of them. And hopefully there's something in there for you that God's saying, hey, I want to build that more into your life. Walk in the Camino. An experience. A walk. But more than that, pray that God has given you something that's useful to you this morning and if you want to chat to me more at the end you'd be more than welcome let me just pray for us God I thank you that you're always on the move you're not done with us in fact far from it you love us and you want to speak into all of our lives more of your fruit more of your spirit God, would the words from you sit with people well? Would anything that I said that was just not helpful, let it just blow away? And let only the words from you remain, God. In Jesus' name, amen.